Okay, all right. Hello out there again. My name is Beck Barnes. Uh, joining you here, I am the publisher and editor here at Cotton Grower Magazine, and I want to welcome you back to the world-famous, universally famous Cotton Companion podcast. Uh, whether you are joining us from Altus, Oklahoma, or Vidalia, Georgia, or from any other dot on the vast U.S. Cotton Belt map, uh, we want to thank you for joining us. I'm joined today, as always, by my partner in crime, Cotton Growers Senior Editor, Mr. Jim Stebman. Howdy, Jim. Good good day, Beck. How are you doing yeah, today? We're in the afternoon now. It's been, it's been one of those days, one <laughs> of those Absolutely, weeks. one of those days. <laughs> so uh, before we get too far down the road here, I want to pause briefly and we'll have a quick word from our sponsor, Enlist. This episode of Cotton Companion is brought to you by the Enlist Weed Control System, ready to help you control tough weeds with new 2,4-D choline. So, all right. Well, we uh, we hope that you are doing well wherever you may be today. Again, we thank you for joining us. When I say I hope you're doing well, I do mean in the health sense. Uh, we have gone here in Memphis from the polar vortex and just a dry, freezing you know, just good winter day, uh, days, several days there. When was that? Did we have the vortex? Last week. Just okay. It's just last yeah, week. Just last week. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. This it is only the, seems so long ago. Right. Yeah. This is a point that I'm making. It that was just last week, and then suddenly today is Thursday, February seven. We're coming at you a little. We're recording a little earlier uh, because we got some travel coming up. So anyhow, uh, in that time frame. It has suddenly turned to, I think it's about 70 outside and over just like eerie weather outside. Warm, mm-hmm. early February, warm, uh, wind blowing, overcast, feels like it could just like break loose a nasty storm at any moment. And as we speak, there's a, you know, a storm front coming in that's going to drop the temperature back into the 20s tonight. So right. everybody's sinuses are going to explode here right. within the next 24 hours. It, yeah, so today, particularly, day started at 70 and it'll be 20 <laughs> uh, by midnight. And so, in case you haven't been able to tell just yet from the tone of my voice, I have been uh, feeling the dealing with the repercussions of that. I've been sniffling and, and everything else. So, I've uh, been in the doctor's office, got my what did we what did I call it the sinus the cocktail, sinus cocktail shot. Yes. shot in my hip. Love a shot, let me tell y'all. And uh, anyhow, just been been feeling like garbage, but we are soldiering on. Uh, I know that y'all can't take a day off when y'all are in the heart of your growing season uh and if you are a farm magazine a cotton magazine like we are uh winter time is kind of the heart of our calendar year for myriad of reasons and so we will soldier on man you know i'm really i'm really tooting my like, like i'm some yeah we've sort of kind of moved into tmi and from you know right. territory here but uh right. so patting myself on the back right uh so all of that aside, we got a great episode for y'all today. We are going to be uh, reviewing some of the news stories of the day, including but not limited to. Um, what do we got here, Jim? We have Enlist E3 soybeans were cleared for launch. We're going to be talking about an ag research service that helps develop a new cotton uh, wound dressing, so a new use for cotton. Mm-hmm. We've got some AmeriCotton news for y'all. So uh, hang in there that we'll have those news items for you. In addition to those, we are going to be bringing y'all uh, something that we're really proud of. We, we think is, uh, well, we think will be of high interest to you. Uh, this interview that Jim conducted yesterday with Dr. John Robinson, an old friend of ours, uh, Jim caught up with him yesterday on the phone and they had a great conversation about the market impacts of this tariff situation. Uh, Jim, I've... 
Can you give us a teaser, John's thoughts? Briefly, would you say he's bullish or bearish on 2019? I, I think anybody that, that knows John, and John will admit it too, uh, that he's, uh, he's John's been doing a bunch of, uh, of meetings. He's been on the road too, uh, talking with growers and, and talking about the prices and, and, and things like that. Um, and he'll be the first to admit that he's probably not as optimistic as a lot of other folks are. And, and in, in the interview, he, he explains why. Uh, and, I, and he's got some very valid points to, uh, to consider. I'm certainly not going to step on his toes on this, but it's, uh, it, it, it was a very interesting conversation, and, yep. uh, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Well, he's a smart guy. He, he brings uh, some, certainly some insight to the table, so uh, that'll be a good one for y'all. We, on a related note, we have seen some bearish headlines over the past couple of weeks uh, with regards to this current trade scenario, the trade situation that's going on out there. One of those was from Joe Nicosia, uh, who runs Allenberg Trade and is somebody who, uh, when he speaks, we listen here at Cotton Grower. Uh, in fact, we typically write the April cover story uh, based on the uh, speech that he gives at the Mid-South Farm and Gin Show. And so, uh, anyhow, he, he uh, has bearish outlook about these this tariff uh, situation that's going on globally. So... Uh, we don't like to be the bearers of negative uh, negative uh, forecasts or ne- negative prognosticating like that, but it does seem that people are just starting to get a little worried about the lingering effects of this trade war, and I know that John is going to be touching on that. Yes, he will. In that interview that Jim conducted. So uh, after that, after that great interview, we are going to spend our One Big Thing segment talking about weed control and more specifically how quickly and broadly adapted the new auction trait technologies have just kind of stormed uh, the cotton belt, taken over the cotton belt. So we'll get to that in a bit. I don't want to put the cart before the horse here. For now, let's dive right in with Jim and his news items. Okay. As Beck mentioned, we've got just a couple items to uh, to discuss this week uh, because, quite honestly, I think most of the market is is keeping an eye on what prices are doing and what's what's happening or not happening in, in the trade segment. Uh, so we'll get jump into this. Uh USDA's Agricultural Research Service, and this is their unit that's based in New Orleans, uh, has played a key role in developing a new non-woven cotton gauze that quickly stanches bleeding and promotes wound healing. Uh, This product was introduced back in November under the trade name TAC Gauze, and unlike the standard white bleached cotton gauze, this product is made of gray, and I'm going to it's pronounced gray, but it's spelled G-R-E-I-G-E, cotton fiber, which has not been scoured and bleached prior to fabrication. Okay. Now, now, the research at ARS has shown that this non-woven gray cotton gauze triggered blood clotting more quickly, shed fewer fibers, and released small amounts of hydrogen peroxide to help mobilize wound healing cells at the injury site. It's also 33% lighter and 63% more absorbent than standard gauzes made of the bleached processed cotton. The uh, developers of this TAC gauze, and there were four of them, uh, a group called H&H Medical Corporation out of Williamsburg, Virginia, uh, researchers from obviously from ARS and also from Virginia Commonwealth University, and the folks at the TJ Bell Company, um, wanted to put together a product that was easy to carry and use that's affordable, reliable, sterile, long-lasting and effective under wide-ranging circumstances such as battlefields, 
accident scenes, mass casualty events, or working in remote locations. So to date, the product is on the market and uh, a great deal of interest in evaluating this product has already come from both the military and civilian sectors, including the U.S. Marine Corps. So uh, hats off to the folks down at ARS for looking for uh, helping develop another use for cotton. Yeah, yet another yet another use for uh, this crop we produce. Man, you can cook with it, you can uh, clean up oil spills, you can use it as medical, this new medical usage for it. It's um, man, the fabric of our lives. It's right? a miracle plant. It is, absolutely. Absolutely a miracle plant. Uh, moving ahead, as Beck mentioned, it's not exactly cotton-related news, but it is uh, news that could be of interest to those of you who also grow soybeans. And that was the announcement in late January that Corteva AgriScience finally received import authorization from China for Enlist E3 soybeans. That's an approval that has been long anticipated. And with that now in hand, Corteva is planning to launch the E3 soybeans in the U.S., in Brazil, and Canada uh, this year. Uh, this E3 soybean trait obviously provides tolerance to uh, the new 2,4-D choline that you find in Enlist Duo and Enlist One herbicides, as well as 2-glyphosate and glufosinate. Uh, the launch follows and complements the company's introduction of Enlist Cotton in 2017 and Enlist Corn Hybrids in 2018. Now their plan at this time uh, is during the first half of 2019, uh, they will be centering their, their focus on uh, Enlist E3 soybean demonstration plots, field technology days, and other opportunities. And then moving into the second half of the year, their focus is gonna to shift to uh, commercial sales, to their ramp up plans, and to extensive seed production to ensure broad product availability in 2020. So another another tool or another area of, uh, of use for, uh, for the Enlist technology this year. Out of, uh, out of from our friends at Americot, uh, news came this week that they've added four regional germplasm specialists to their research and germplasm team. Uh, in Scott Russell, who has been with Americot in sales uh, in, since 2017, has transitioned from uh, from a southeast sales representative to uh, research and germplasm specialist, and Scott will be based in Georgia. Uh, Dr. Brooks Blanche is going to be supporting research and breeding efforts for growers in the southeast and mid-south, working from his base in St. Joseph, Louisiana. Dr. Todd Spivey is going to support Americot's research and breeding activities for growers in North Carolina and other parts of the southeast. And Levi Schaefer is going to be doing uh, the same work for Americot, uh, primarily working in that northern and southern high plains area of Texas. So our congratulations to these four scientists and certainly to Americot for continuing to build and upgrade their research and breeding program. For sure, yeah, some, some familiar names there. So right, uh, good, good for the company, good for those guys. And before I turn it back over to Beck, one last reminder. Since this podcast episode is going to post and be available on February 13th, uh, just a, a reminder and, and with apologies to the classic Wilson Pickett song, here's your midnight hour warning right now. <laughs> The extended deadline to apply for the market facilitation program is February 14th. So if you haven't signed up for this program and you're still interested in doing so, call your local FSA office right now 
and make an immediate appointment to get it done before end of business day on February 14th because USDA has stated that no additional deadline extensions are planned. Yeah. On a related note, if you are hearing this and you have not made your dinner reservations for February the 14th, <laughs> you're also in big trouble. As I found out, today's the 7th and I was trying to make my reservations, I'm telling on myself, but like yesterday and the day before, and uh, long story short, almost had me and my wife eating at a nice restaurant here in town at about 10.30 p.m. because they're all booked up. So anyhow, don't be like me. I hope... and. <laughs> Again, if you're hearing this now, if you're not like me, you have already made your plan. So, you know, congrats to you. You're making me look bad. Okay, Jim, uh, I thank you. We want to pause right there, though, to bring uh, our listeners a message from our sponsor, Enlist. Uh, our custom content editor, Robin Sickberg, had the chance recently to sit down with Haley Neighbors, uh, a herbicide technology field specialist with Enlist. And so we're happy to hear from those two right now. Hello, I'm Robin Sipper, custom content editor of Meister Media Worldwide, and my guest on the program today is Haley Neighbors, who is the new herbicide technology field specialist at Corteva AgriScience, which is the agricultural division of Dow DuPont. So welcome to the program, Haley. Thank you. So first off, uh, Haley, tell us about the area you serve and what your role is as the new herbicide technology field specialist. Well, I support the Enlist weed control system in Texas and across the Southwest. I work with all types of audiences, but primarily farmers, retailers, applicators, as it relates to the training and stewardship of the Enlist technology. And as we think about the 2019 season, what can farmers do to help their crops get off to a good start this year? I think to give our crops the best start, the first thing we need to do is start with the weed-free field. As we, we talk about the importance of starting clean and staying clean throughout the season, um, it's important to think about planning ahead for what weed challenges we might face, developing a weed-resistant management plan that includes residual herbicides and multiple modes of action. I think a couple other things that can really help folks be successful is making timely applications and ensuring that we're scouting those fields for weeds before and after we make those applications. And what are the advantages of the 2,4-D choline that's featured in the Enlist Duo and Enlist One herbicides? The 2,4-D choline in Enlist Duo and Enlist One is an inherently low volatile formulation of 2,4-D. Uh, growers are still going to get the exceptional level of weed control they're used to with 2,4-D, uh, but we've really been able to overcome the concerns of volatility here. So for the past two years, Growers across the Cotton Belt have had really good success and are pleased with their experiences relating to on-target applications and weed control using the Enlist system. And I heard the Enlist system had some exciting news earlier this year with the commercial launch plans for the Enlist E3 soybeans. So what can you tell us about that? Yes, this has been a long time coming, but we're excited for uh, soybean farmers to finally have access to the Enlist weed control system. Um, this is really positive news for farmers in cotton and soybean areas that are wanting a whole farm system. Uh, we've seen the success we've had in cotton and are excited to carry that over into soybeans. So for the first half of 2019, we're going to focus on expanding grower experiences through demonstration plots and field technology days. And then you'll see the latter half of 2019, we're really going to focus on our commercial sales effort with robust ramp-up plans and our extensive seed production plan to make sure that E3 soybeans are broadly available to folks in 2020. Okay. And lastly, where can farmers get more information on the Enlist system? 
for those that are new to the Enlist system, I encourage you guys to contact your local Corteva AgroScience and Phytogen reps for more information. Uh, or you can visit Enlist.com to learn more about uh, the Enlist weed control system. Okay. Thanks so much for being on the program, Haley. Thank you. All right. So very good. Uh, we want to thank you, uh, Robin and Haley and Enlist for that. We want to thank you all. Uh, so now we're going to keep this thing rolling here uh, from one interview to another. We want to bring you all our Market Minute segment. And this week's Market Minute segment features, our, like I say, our old friend, Dr. John Robinson. John has been a featured columnist for us in the magazine. He's been a featured speaker at, at events we've hosted. And so we're happy to have him on a, a third platform here. Man, he's he's hidden for the cotton grower trifecta here. Or should it be a quick... I guess he would... Surely he's written for the website before, too. He is a multi-talented uh, economist, uh, is one way to put that. So uh, we're happy to have him join us on the podcast today, and uh, we're going to bring you that interview right now. Welcome to this episode's Market Minute segment. Today we're joined again by Dr. John Robinson, professor and extension economist with Texas A&M University. Dr. Robinson, thank you for being with us again today. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Okay. Uh, as, as you and I and everybody in the cotton industry knows, it's meeting season right now. And I understand you, you've been a pretty busy road warrior uh, participating in meetings across Texas and beyond. Uh, I'm just curious, what types of questions have you been getting from growers at these meetings, and what are they concerned about heading into this next season? Well, the, the, main, the main question that, that they that they invite me to come speak about is what, what's the price outlook. So I, you know, I spend most of my time kind of building an argument for, in this case, building an argument for what I think are going to be weaker new crop prices on the basis of a very large crop coming that even even record-level exports, would it would still leave us with uh, a big increase in ending stock. So I've been making that pitch, and they've been polite not to throw tomatoes or pull guns on me. Uh, the, the, I guess the few follow-up questions that I have been getting are, well, you know, what can we do about it? And, and so I usually say, well, you know, depending on your plan to hedge your forward cash contract, I would, you know, think about doing a little more of that a little earlier because, you know, prices right now have been supported in that mid seventies, that seventy-four cent range for for uh, new crop December nineteen ice futures, we've been hanging in there for a long time at that level. Um, but like I say, if, if if they believe that there's twelve to fourteen cents of downside price risk, then even though hedging at this level wouldn't be wouldn't be buying you necessarily a a guarantee of a profitable price, it would definitely be protecting from what might be a catastrophic uh, catastrophic loss there. A few questions I've, that growers at, uh, somewhere about around that point would interject as well, what does the new farm program do for me? And, and you know, the new farm program right now, the PLC uh, program for cotton is, is, I guess you'd say, in the money with the reference price where it's set right now. It's, it's, it is kind of set to pay something. The question is, how much would that payment increase as the price of cotton lint? If the price of cotton lint were to fall, according to the, the argument I'm making in my outlook presentation, I, you know, I think the price of cotton lint could fall, like I say, could fall a lot, 10, 12, 
14 cents, that's going to pull down the calculation, the weighted price of seed and cotton, and in theory would make that PLC payment bigger because the gap between the reference price and where it's falling would be increasing. But the trouble is payment limits are going to kick in at some point. That's a farm-by-farm situation. But at some point, whatever protection you're getting from an expanding PLC payment is going to is going to get cut off. So there is a there is a range. I'm not sure how much of a let's say a 12 cent drop in lint prices. There's a range of that that might be buffered, but it's only partial protection. And then the rest of it's just going to come out of a grower's wallet, you know, until the loan rate kicks in, and and until the until his revenue policy kicks in, which are way down there. Uh, you know, loan rate prices, you know, in the mid-50s, which, you know, futures fall to 60, that's what growers will be facing is loan rate, premium loan rate values. Right. So that's that's been the few questions I've been, you know, it kind of leaves a bad taste in their mouth when you give them bad news. So I frankly don't get that many questions, but that's that's been uh, the one or two I've gotten as well. What what would the new farm program help? And I say, yeah, it'll help, but it's only only partially the rest of it, somebody's going to have to take care of by their own initiative of forward pricing or forward hedging. Sure, absolutely. Now, now John, you recently wrote about your concerns regarding the possible impact of, of the U.S.-China trade conflict on, on U.S. cotton. Uh, can you elaborate on that just a little bit? Yeah, I've been, uh, in my presentations, I, I, I spend a lot of time showing them the pattern of export sales during 2018, there was this kind of this split. We were climbing a hill, an upward trend, expanding export sales. Things were looking really great and really bullish for the first half of the year, and then fell away. Uh, and and on China is part of the reason I think the uncertainty about uh, in the business climate, what that did to merchants. You know, uh, were were deals they'd done that were rolled forward. Well, are they going to be canceled or not? Well, we don't know. And new business, we don't know. Our stuff is more expensive because of the 25% tariff that they put on U.S. cotton. So they're buying more from the Brazilians and the Australians. And if that goes, if that continues, let me start with the worst case scenario. If that continues, then that's going to create a situation where, you know, the, the, the human, the business to business human interaction Part of that is just going to get really bad. The, our merchants are going to lose their contacts. You know, countries don't sell trade with countries. Firms trade with firms. And when Chinese buyers are sending delegations to Brazil and getting acquainted with, you know, Brazilian suppliers and, and establishing contacts and making deals, you know, that, that's going to be something that's going to be hard. That just won't instantaneously go away if the trade uh, conflict is resolved. So there's that evolution kind of bothers me if this goes on for a long time. The other, the second thing that bothers me is that if they don't come to a resolution before March the 1st, I believe we are slated to increase tariffs on $250 billion worth of Chinese imports, which includes apparel. And they supply half of the apparel that comes into this country. And so if we make that more expensive, then Economics 101 says we'll buy less clothing. Right. Or what we do do buy will be more expensive. Yeah. But, yeah. And if we buy less of it, then China's demand for fiber will drop. It just goes right down back to the supply chain, If you know, long term. Okay, well, if their demand for fiber drops, that's just bad, period. 
That's just less fiber consumed and less demand for cotton. So that's a bad development. And the third, uh, the third bad implication is if uh, this thing persists is that tariffs are, are taxes on consumers. They slow economic activity. They slow economic growth and, and cotton consumption in general drops, um, during periods of recession or just slow growth. So that's, that's bad for cotton too. So if, if on the other hand we resolve this problem, um, then I, I'm just hoping we can, you know, kind of get back quickly, repair the relationships that have been um, strained a little, you know, merchants to merchants, business to business, or merchants to mills, and uh, and just get on with it. China, China needs more cotton. They've used up the internal supplies that they've been covering themselves with for the last couple of years. The expectation is is that they're going to get back to the levels of importing that they used to back in the glory days when they imported 15 million bales and the U.S. would have eight of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we need to get back to. And, and you know, But the expectation is their, their needs are going to get back to there. They're going to import from somebody. Um, if they imported all, if, if they needed 10 million more bales than they have had in previous years and if they got it all from... Australia and Brazil, which I don't think they can, that would that would leave some gaps that we could still backfill to. But it would be better if the trade barrier was out of the way and we could just reestablish our relationships as a major supplier to them. Okay, that's great. Now we do obviously there are still some other market options for U.S. cotton, like Vietnam and uh, you know and, and other countries who who are big in the milling and, and textile industry as well. Correct. Right. That's that's correct. And so and those countries have come online since. Since you had, uh, since China got in disrupting world markets, you know, in recent in the last five years or so, they made it hard to import stuff, and so we expanded imports to Vietnam. Vietnam spun it into yarn, sent the yarn on to China. That's what created that whole pattern was China monkeying with world markets and making it hard to to buy foreign cotton, and so that that would just continue. Um, so that's a good thing. Like I say, if they need the cotton and they're going to be buying it, I think it would be better if if we just got these tariffs out of the way. And and that's you know I've heard a few optimistic um, people thinking, well, perhaps President Trump and President Xi already have in mind to solve the ag part of this here in the near term, and so that they can tackle these tougher issues like um, intellectual property and you know. That, that sort of thing. And I just hope that's true, and I hope that includes cotton so that we can basically make it easy for us to to sell to them the way that we did in the past when they were our number one customer. Sounds great. Uh, John, thank you. I appreciate it, uh, your time on this. Uh, this should do it for this episode's uh, Market Minute. Uh, our thanks again to Dr. John Robinson for his time and his expert opinions. John, you're always your, your views are always enlightening. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thank you. We'll be right back with more of the Cotton Companion. All right. Very good. Uh, we thank John, Dr. Robinson for joining us. Thank you, Jim, for bringing another great interview. Uh, and so, uh, finally, we want to move on to our One Big Thing segment this week. And uh, we decided that it, we, had, we had kind of a, a longer interview there with Dr. Robinson, so we want to keep our One Big Thing segment a little more short, a little more efficient. And uh, for the subject, we, we wanted to talk about a topic that I wrote about in our December issue, which is generally uh, sort of a summation of just how quickly 
and widespread the auxin technologies have taken over the American cotton belt in the past three years or so as uh, growers have adopted the ExtendFlex trait and the enlist, enlist traits uh, in every corner of the cotton belt really. And um, just to kind of give you an idea of the, the scope, the magnitude of how quickly those traits have come to market, have been adopted in this market. Uh, this past year, sort of as a starting point, uh, the 2018, the U- USDA puts out a varieties plan to report each year in September-ish, right? Yes, in uh, September. Late, late September, generally. Uh, that's kind of the scorecard for how well each of the uh, seed brand companies did. And so it tells you, you know, how widely adapted uh, specific uh, all of the top varieties were in each region and so forth. So uh, in 2018, nine of the top 10 most planted varieties in the entire U.S. cotton belt featured either the ExtendFlex trait or the Enlist trait. Uh, the 10th, if you're wondering, was, uh, uh, I believe, Phytogen 444, which is uh, their older technology wide strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyhow, uh, uh, among those nine represented in the top 10 were Delta Pine, Dynagro, NextGen, and Phytogen, of course. Uh, we should note, before we go any further, that BASF's varieties, uh, FiberMax, you know, they, they were the ones who acquired FiberMax and Stoneville, and uh, those two varieties recently announced that they will be introducing, uh, or rather those two brands announced that they will be introducing varieties that feature the ExtendFlex trait technology this season in 2019. So certainly look into that if you are interested in the, in those seed brands. Um, uh, on that USDA report that I mentioned a second ago, they list the top 20 most planted varieties. Uh, is you know the, the chart that they put out only has 20, so there were more varieties planted than that. But of the 20 that they list, 18 of those had one of these two traits, uh, Enlist or ExtendFlex. And those 18 accounted for 65% of the acreage in the entire cotton belt last year. So that's a year that featured some 14 million acres. So you're talking about, oh gosh. Uh Uh-oh, you're asking math. Half would be 7 million. Eight and a half to nine million. There you go. I'm that's, just guessing. That's a and great I'm just ballpark. Guessing. That's a great ballpark. Uh, some I know some of y'all out there are cussing us because <laughs> some of y'all who are a little more math apt than I am. Sorry, I'm using Common Core math. Yeah, right. So uh, that you know, Buku acres out there. I mean, eight nine million acres planted to one of these two oxen trait technologies that are so new to the market is is really the point that I'm driving towards here. You know, you forget. But it was just 2016 that ExtendFlex was introduced commercially, full-scale commercially for the first time. Enlist was just 2017. I mean, my gosh, we're only talking about two whole seasons that we've had that variety, or rather that trait technology uh, available to us, and you guys have adapted it so quickly. So it's, it's wild to me that we've had that adoption on these technologies in such a fast time frame. Uh, ExtendFlex was uh, actually just, just mentioned that, but they're so ubiquitous out there in the cotton belt. But obviously, you guys, I, I'm preaching to a choir here, but y'all know the context for why that was, that they were adapted so wide scale and so quickly like they were. The answer is glyphosate resistance, uh, most often or most famously found in the pigweed or careless weed uh, pest. It goes by a different name depending on where you are in the cotton belt. But uh, you know, started popping up out there as early as 2005 in some counties in South Georgia, and it went on to infect almost every corner of the Cotton Belt over the next decade, wreaking untold damage 
wherever it appeared. Uh, moved kind of east to west across the country. By 2009, it was here in the Mid-South. By 2010, 2011, started popping up in Texas. And by that point, I mean, it was it had its fingerprints uh, almost dang near on every every farm, every community in the Cotton Belt. So uh, uh, the first, we, we would be remiss to, if we didn't mention that sort of the first uh, solution that came out to combat this was Bayer's introduction of Liberty Technology, which was glufosinate tolerant back uh, around that 2010 time frame, if I'm remembering correctly. I, I ought mm-hmm. to, we were uh, involved in some of the rollout for, around that product. And and then, uh, as I say, we saw Monsanto, of course, is now a Bayer uh, property, uh, released the full release of that dicamba tolerant extemplex cotton trade in 16 and finally cortiva uh, with their uh, enlist trait was was commercialized in 2017 so 2018 the first year that both of these well all three of these are commercially available and you see the result this wide scale adoption so you know part of the uh, uh, appeal of these things these uh, tools as you should say, is that they give growers another option. I interviewed uh, a great guy, Seth Bird, the Oklahoma State University Extension Cotton Specialist up there in Oklahoma, um, about the adoption of these traits. Of course, his state's a little unique. It's kind of uh, uh, sort certainly newer to wide-scale cotton acreage like they've seen uh, the past few years. And so the farmers are, uh, everything's kind of new to a lot of those farmers up there. But, but he says, you know, the value of these auction technologies that they can be used as part of a system. He says they give us a different option we can turn to and that strengthens the whole system. As we move to different parts of our state, we have a lot of new cotton growers here in Oklahoma. A lot of these folks aren't as used to being reliant on tillage as they are in other parts of the country. So if we're removing tools from the toolbox, adding a dicamba or adding a 2,4-D really helps. So, you know, Bird and any other extension cotton specialist is going to tell you, you you can't rely on these two in that way that a lot of people did rely on glyphosate when it first hit the scene, right? Right. Mm -hmm. That, uh, that really and truly, you know, the, you've got it, they're great tools and they are very, very effective, but you know, to a, to a person, you will hear from a cotton specialist, uh, you've still got to start, start, go out with a clean field. You've got to start, uh, start clean when you go to planting with some, uh, having some residuals down with your burn down and coming back uh, very early post with uh, another hit of residual just to keep things uh, under control and allow the uh, these new technologies to work to uh, to their greatest advantage. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, it's February, we're getting to mid, mid-February now, so it might be time to start thinking about some mm-hmm. of those. Uh, it's also time, if, the, if you're thinking about uh, actions you could take right now, we mentioned it last week, it's worth reiterating. Um, it's a good time to be talking to your neighbors about what you're thinking about in terms exactly. of uh, the trait system that you're going to go with and where you might could block those next to your neighbors when you're where y'all have adjacent fields, you know, matching the trait technologies together. If that's possible, I know there are other variables in play there, but that's, you know, uh, never a bad idea to put, you know, the matching trait technologies next to uh, your neighbors matching trait technologies fields. Uh, we mentioned earlier that there's uh, Enlist E3 soybeans available for the first time this year, so that's another sort of piece of the uh, jigsaw puzzle that you may be able to match with your neighbors. Uh, you know, never a bad time to start planning. Never a bad time to start thinking about these things. And we know that you guys know this. Y'all have been at it for a lot longer than us, but just a general reminder, 
of those uh, couple of points there. So main thing we wanted to get across is, man, y'all y'all have really uh, taken off uh, and and been quick adopters of these two uh, trait packages, and uh, there will be no shortage of variety options featuring those two next year. So you guys are living in a golden age of uh, uh, really weed technology, you know, I mean, and y'all know better than anybody. It's wasn't too terribly long ago where we were really getting our butts kicked out there by some of this resistance. So it's great to have these new tools. So uh, on that note, uh, boy, we have an appropriate sponsor today from Enlist. We want to take a quick break, uh, let you hear from them briefly, and then we'll come back to get you out of here. Are weeds getting tougher to handle? Introduce them to the Enlist Weed Control System. Both Enlist herbicides are effective on a wide range of tough and herbicide-resistant weeds. Enlist Duo herbicide is a convenient blend of glyphosate and 2,4-D choline. It's made to serve as a cornerstone to an effective program approach that takes advantage of multiple herbicide modes of action. Enlist One herbicide, a straight goods 2,4-D choline, offers increased tank mix flexibility. Enlist One also allows farmers to use multiple modes of action by tank mixing with glufosinate or other qualified herbicides. Weeds won't know what hit them. The 2,4-D choline formulation offers inherently low volatility. Both herbicides also feature Colex-D technology to limit drift. For use with Enlist crops, including Enlist cotton, exclusively available from Phytogen Cottonseed. Learn more at Enlist.com. So all right, that's going to just about do it for this installment of the Cotton Companion podcast. Uh, we want to thank Dr. John Robinson one last time for taking time to speak with us. Uh, John's a great friend of, of not just Cotton Grower, but to you guys as well, as y'all no doubt know, and so we appreciate his time and effort. Uh, once again, we want to thank our sponsors in List, and we thank you, dear listeners, sincerely for joining us. If you like what you're hearing, by all means, tell your farmer friends about this podcast, and they can get to us in three easy ways. The first is our website, cottongrower.com forward slash companion. Go to that page. You'll find all 41 now of the episodes that we have produced over the past couple of years. The second way, you can subscribe to our channel on iTunes. If you are familiar with your smartphone, the iTunes app, go ahead, go in there, subscribe to our podcast, The Cotton Companion. Search for it in the search bar, Cotton Companion. Subscribe, leave us a rating, and we'd love to know what you think of our efforts. The third and best way to be sure you receive each installment of the Cotton Companion podcast is to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. Jim here works hard to pack that thing with all of the relevant news of the day, and uh, they hit your email inboxes like clockwork on Tuesday mornings. So uh, you could do that by going to www.cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Once you're there, uh, fairly easy to uh, sign up for that thing. you, you got to have an email address, but I trust that most of y'all are are doing that these days. Coming around, coming around to this internet. Uh, anyhow, uh, we also want to make sure that you are following us on social media on a related note. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter, and on Facebook you can find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. Uh, we hope that you are enjoying the latest issue, the, no, no, what it was, the February issue, which should be hitting your mailboxes any day now. Uh, it's a good one. It's it's really a, a, a strong issue. Um, so we hope that you will like it. I know that y'all will. This podcast is produced by the great Tyler Hatch, who works at the mothership Meister Media Worldwide in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio. Snowy Willoughby, Ohio, probably. 
Uh, my name is Beck Barnes, and I'll be back with you in two weeks on the next episode of The Cotton Companion. So for now, on behalf of my own Cotton Companion, Jim Stebbin, we wish you, your farm, and your family all the best. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cotton Companion. Visit Enlist.com to learn more about the Enlist weed control system and to hear from farmers experiencing the technology.